Are you any good at keeping secrets? <coughs> Looking around here. Yeah, Carol, she thinks she is, yeah. It's nice to, to have a secret, I think, sometimes, isn't it? It depends what the secret is, though. Uh, maybe to be told a secret by somebody. Um, maybe that makes you feel special. You know something maybe nobody else knows. Being told a secret makes you kind of an insider. Hey, I've got something to tell you. I wonder what some of the biggest secrets in the world might be right now. Imagine if you were to become, sometimes I think about this, become prime minister, right? And uh, you have access now to some top secret information. What, what, What would you go for? What would you ask? Uh, to see, to, to know about what top secret uh, would you like to be revealed to? I guess you don't know because it's a secret, don't you, really? One big mystery, though, for a lot of people, maybe for you, perhaps the biggest mystery of all is this. What is God doing in the world? Well, to ask the same thing in a slightly different way, What's the meaning of it all? Where's it all going? However, this is not so much a secret or a mystery for Christians, for the church. Uh, We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's what verses 3 to 14 are all about. Uh, And those blessings, uh, and one of those blessings is that God has let us in on his secret. We've been chosen, adopted into the family, um, redeemed, set free from sin. We've been forgiven. And now we've been, I'm going to use this word, enlightened. Enlightened. God has enlightened us. He's informed us of something that is otherwise hidden from others. We are in on the secret Or what Paul calls here a mystery. Look at verse 9 again with me. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. So what kind of mystery is this? Why is it such a big deal for us? You know, being forgiven... Yeah, that sounds great. Redeemed, set free. Wow, yeah, that's exciting. Adopted. Oh, wonderful. These are kind of very personal, perhaps a bit more interesting, more thrilling to us, perhaps. But knowing this mystery, maybe that's a little less, a bit further down the list uh, of your preferences here. How is this such an important blessing? Because a lot of people say when they're studying Ephesians that this is the key verse to understanding the whole of the book of Ephesians. In fact, the whole of the Bible Well, I hope by the end of this message, you'll see why this is so important and how life changing it can be for our blessing. We're enlightened. That is a blessing. So we're going to see this in uh, three parts. How God's mysterious plan has been revealed to us. What God's big plan actually is, secondly. And then thirdly, why this plan makes a difference. So firstly... Let's think about this. God's plan 
is revealed to us in Jesus. God's plan is revealed to us in Jesus. As Christians, God has made us privy to his plans, which are all revealed in Jesus. Verse 9 says, and he made known to us the mystery of his will. Now, usually that word mystery uh, means something we don't know or we, or we can't understand. It's a mystery. I don't know. That's what we tend to mean. But in the Bible, it's got a slightly more technical meaning. It's referring to something which was once hidden, but has now been revealed. It's been made known. A mystery in the Bible is something which was once hidden, but has now been made known. At least it's been made known to some of us. To those of us who are Christians. And that's because Christians know Christ. And God's mysterious plans have all been revealed in him. So if you know Christ, you're a Christian, then you can begin to understand God's mysterious will, his plan. Our text says that God's mysterious will was purposed. In Christ, that word purpose here means something like to plan out beforehand. It all revolved around him. Jesus isn't the plan B, he's plan A and has always been at the centre of God's will and plans from before the world began. Christ is at the centre of everything, the centre of the cosmos. It all revolves around Jesus. Jesus is the, the logos of creation. The thing that makes sense of everything else. So to know Christ, to have faith in him, is to know God's mysterious plan. Even the meaning of the universe. But this is a mystery that has now been revealed. Meaning that it was once hidden. In ages past, particularly in the Old Testament, it was not fully seen or realized. So flick over in Ephesians to chapter 3. Look at verse 4. Ephesians 3 verse 4. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So, although we see Jesus all over the Bible, he is the theme of the scriptures. All the scriptures speak about me, Jesus said. Whether that's in promise or in prophecy or or even showing up in person. Previous generations, they didn't know that. They didn't quite fully see how it all fit together. The fullness of who Christ is or the extent of his salvation. Paul here in chapter 3 verse 4 calls it the mystery of Christ. Colossians chapter 2 verse 2 says the same. And in that it says, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and the knowledge of God. So, So only in the coming of Christ, in his life, in his words, in his miracles, in his death and in his resurrection and so on, that mystery of God is made crystal clear. It's all revealed, finally, in Jesus. Uh, My wife and I 
we love a good mystery program. Who likes a good mystery program? Like a good detective kind of thing. Yeah, all right. Um, we like a good show like that. And um, we've been re-watching recently uh, Shetland on the... Is it a bit like Shetland? Yes, yeah, some of you. All right, we shall have a little Shetland party, shouldn't we? Yeah, just us. Shetland. Uh, we like that. And we've been re-watching some of the series, really, because there's a new series come out. We're quite excited about that. And the entertaining thing about these kinds of stories is this sort of detective's quest to discover who done it, right? And it's a journey of following clues, leading to kind of a big reveal at the end. The thing is, uh, Emma and I, we're re-watching a show like this. And we kind of, some of it we can't remember at all. Some of it, oh yeah, I remember this bit, you know, sort of thing. And when you re-watch and you already know who done it, or at least have a vague idea, then it's easier to spot. In fact, it can be obvious, in fact, when you re-watch it. Because now you know who it's all about, see? We can look back through history, even our own individual lives, and especially through the pages of the Bible. And what was once hidden uh, to people before is now obvious to us in Christ. It all makes sense. It's all been revealed. But why is that? Are we just sort of cleverer than other people? Um, Maybe you're one of these people who's really good at guessing, right? Watching these mystery shows, you're really good at that's that person there at the right at the beginning. You can guess it like that, and everyone's like, shush, 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 no, 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 don't. You. And then at the end, it turns out you were right. You were just so good. Maybe we're just really clever. We've figured it all out. We know it's all about Jesus. Well, no. <laughs> Our text says God has made it known to us. It had to be revealed to us in Colossians chapter one. Verses 26 to 27, it says this, The mystery that has now been kept hidden for ages and generations, but has now been disclosed, revealed, made known to the saints. We couldn't know this by ourselves. The Spirit of God had to reveal it to us, to enlighten us. It's not because we're smarter than other people or more religious or you're just more spiritually inclined. You can only know Christ by a revelation of the Holy Spirit. He said that in chapter 3, verse 5, it was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God. Enlightenment is a gift. It is a blessing which God offers us. In fact, even the wisest person, intelligent, super duper smart, really sophisticated, cannot understand it by themselves. They're blind to it. We haven't got time to look it all the way through, but if you were to look at 1 Corinthians chapters 1 and 2 later on, you'll see this very, very clearly. It talks of God's hidden wisdom that has now been revealed to us by the Spirit. Only the Spirit of God, who knows the mind of God, can make it known to us. In fact, Christ Jesus and the cross and all of this, it looks like foolishness it looks foolish to the world to the wisest in our world even this week i heard uh, uh, i was listening to very very intelligent atheist talking about why he wasn't a christian that was the name of his talk why i'm not a christian and it wasn't because he hadn't tried he talks about i did this i read this book i went to church and he said i never once in my entire life ever had an experience of god And it just struck me, again, that for all his brains, for all his 
trying. Only the Spirit of God can make him understand. Only God himself, by the Spirit, can enlighten you so that you can actually see Christ and understand. Dear friend, maybe you don't feel very smart as a Christian. You grew up and you perhaps struggled with education. School was a horrible place. You always felt a bit kind of left behind from everybody else. Everybody else went on to get their degrees and all that. And you just kind of, no, you weren't that person. But there's something about Jesus that you just get. He makes sense to you. He makes a difference to your life in a way nothing else, no other knowledge can. Let me tell you, if you know Christ, doesn't matter how many letters you've got by your name, then you know the wisdom of God himself. Now I say that not so that you can feel kind of really smug and better than all these other clever people. It ought to humble us. It ought to make us fall on our knees with gratitude. That he chose someone so weak. Paul says this again, 1 Corinthians 2. He chose and um, what? He chose the weak, the foolish. He loves to do that. Maybe you're someone who's been trying to figure it out, but you just can't. Jesus, it doesn't make sense to you. You can't understand faith and, and Christianity. Why don't you ask? God, the Spirit, to open up the eyes of your heart, to reveal it to you. Because God loves to do this. He loves to do it. He loves, he delights to make his plan known. He loves to take you and say, hey, come on, let me show you something wonderful. I'm so excited about this and I want to bring you in on it. And he takes you by the hand and he leads you in. Let me show you something. He loves to do that. He says it's his good pleasure to do that, verse 9, to bring us in on things. Jesus is what God is most excited about and he is thrilled to bring you in on his plan. So ask him. Paul would often praise us that you might know more and more of his wisdom and knowledge and understanding, that this mystery may become more clear to you. It's been made known. In Christ, God's plan is revealed in Jesus. So let's see a bit more specifically what his will is. What is this plan? How God's plans are realized in Jesus. We've seen how they've been revealed in Jesus. Now how are they realized in Jesus? Simply, we mean this. God's plan is that everything will be united in Jesus. Look again at verse 9. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. To bring all things together. Now, in the Greek, that's just one word. And it means something like this, to sum up. Or to unite, or even more literally, to reunite. In Christ, God is reuniting a disunited world. This is what God has been doing in Christ from the beginning. He is reordering what has been broken in this world and in our own lives. 
And what a mess he's got to sort out, hasn't he? What a mess. What has sin done? What has evil done? What chaos? What violence? What injustice? What heartbreak? What despair? What a mess he's got to sort out. In verse 10, that phrase there, put into effect, that's also one word in the Greek. And it means something like to put in charge or to give the management of. God is given charge of fulfilling his plans to Jesus. Jesus, I want you to sort it out. Maybe you've seen this, perhaps at work, right? Maybe you can think of a situation, maybe in your department, maybe there's a project you've been involved with, and it gets totally wrecked because of a bad manager. They make a real mess of it. And so the boss fires them and has to call in a new and better manager to sort it all out. Well, that's Jesus. Under Adam and, and his progeny, his sinful humanity, everything gets messed up. We were the bad manager, but now we're under new management. And he's sorting it out. And this means a couple of things. First, it means bringing together Jew and Gentile. Now, this is something we could look at if we were to go on in Ephesians in chapter 2, in chapter 3. The mystery of God's will is to bring Jew and Gentile together. In other words, to open up his plan of salvation to the whole world. Anyone and everyone can now belong. Instead of just one ethnic people, all people, anyone who believes in Christ can be included. In in Christ, God is making, creating a new humanity. His one church. A united people from every tribe and nation where barriers and divisions are torn down. A new people with new hearts and motivations who are becoming more like Jesus themselves. Maybe you found this. You've been on holiday somewhere in a completely different country and you've met another Christian there. And for some, you just find a different language, different culture, but there's something you have. You click, you, you know one another. There's a oneness there. Everything brought together in Jesus. And it's centered in the church. But it's not just that. Too. It's all things, Paul says it, in heaven and on earth. Everything in the entire cosmos will be brought together under one head, even Jesus Christ. Every heavenly spiritual power and rule and every earthly physical power and rule. Christ will bring them all under him, uniting them all, bringing order and alignment, everything in its right place. There is nothing and no place where Christ's rule and reign will not reach. Everything will be aligned under him. That includes evil as well. Now that doesn't mean kind of rebellious demons and rebellious people. They're all going to be reconciled and sorted out and restored and brought in. No, quite the opposite. It means they will be finally and forever put outside of this new order Jesus is creating. That's their rightful place. They have no place in this new life. Now, of course, we don't see that yet, do we? Of course not. We, as Hebrews 2 puts it, we don't see everything in subjection yet to him. But what do we see? We see, it says, 
Christ and his crown. We see that he's reigning. He's reigning now and he is conquering his enemies. He is rescuing his people. He is spreading his kingdom and he's preparing the world. So Paul says here, verse 10, it will be when the times have reached their fulfillment. That's when. Until then, he's working it out. Look at verse 11 of our passage. Chapter 1, verse 11. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. God's big plan to bring everything together under Christ is worked out in the details. Everything, all things working out, being conformed, bit by bit to his purpose. Some of you like uh, uh, war history. And if you were to think about something, even recently we were thinking about this and remember the D-Day landings. There was a big plan there. Big plan to invade Europe, to bring victory to Europe. That's a big plan. And the generals and government, they came up with that plan. They said, that's what we want to do. But how has it worked out? Well, it was, um, the plans were given to thousands of other people. Right? You need to think about how we're going to do this. And you need to think about how we're going to do that. And then you need to figure out how it's all going to work together. It, the big plan of victory was worked out in the details. Maybe you've got a big project to do. Maybe you've got a big home improvement thing. There's a big job at work. And it all seems a bit daunting. Well, the, the best hope of completing it is to break it down. What are the details? Small plan, small steps, big plan. Here's my point. Look, you, you may not know all the details of your life, but God does. Or how they could possibly be working together in God's purposes, but God does. Whatever your circumstances, whatever your sufferings Right now, you can know for sure that God has a plan. And it will all end with everything being made right in Christ. A great preacher during the 20th century was a guy called Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And here's uh, what he says about this. I do not know whether another world war is coming or not. But whether it be war or no war, as Christians, we are in this plan of God. No bomb can be invented. No bacteria can be cultivated and used. No chemicals or gases can be brought into use that can ever make the slightest difference to these things. He's writing this in 1978, by the way. That is God's plan as revealed in scripture and God's plan will be carried out and if you and I are in Christ we are involved in it let us spend less time in reading the newspapers and more time in reading the bible let wars come let pestilences come let hell be let loose nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord that is the Christian message for today thank God for it and rejoice in it amen so let me ask you what else what else can you think of could unite the world when we see such division and hatred 
and animosity. So many at war with each other. Maybe you've been trying to follow this Israel-Gaza thing, and it's just so complicated and confusing, you can't make head nor tail of it. And those who are experts have no idea how it's all going to figure itself out, if it ever will. What else can you think of could bring together all things? In Israel and Gaza, between Jew and Muslim, between Russian uh, uh, Russian and Ukrainian, between left and right, what else? See, many others have tried. Tyrants and furors, politics and protests, popes and emperors, Caesars and CEOs, but all ultimately fail in their plan. They can't do it. There is only one. The Prince of Peace. Only one who has conquered evil and the powers of hell and cast them away. Only one. There is only one who overcame sin and then crucified it in his own body on the cross. Only one. Jesus Christ the Lord. And who else can sort out this complicated mess of your life? Who else has wisdom and power and ability to bring life where there's only been death? Who can rescue me from my sin and my mess? Only one. The one who burst out of the grave, who smashed the chains of death, who himself is life itself forevermore, the author of life. Only one, Jesus Christ. Dear friends, this is important, isn't it? Because there are some who are saying there is no plan. Some people are saying that. Can you believe that? Some people are saying, right, there is no plan. Here's what they tell us. They tell us that our lives have no purpose. On, on a meaningless planet, which is, will eventually float through space and eventually implode and decay and will all be gone. That's what they're taught, telling us. There's no plan. We're merely victims of impersonal forces and mechanics. There's no such thing as right or wrong or good or bad or justice and unity. Those things aren't relevant. No, there is no plan, they tell us. You just have to make the best of it. And different, some are despairing in fear because they have no hope. As nations clash, as powers uh, they cannot control threaten them, as they face all kinds of suffering, they can't see how it will ever end. Again, I, I heard a desperate interview with somebody this week who um, is addicted to drugs. And they were asked, where will you be in five or ten years? And he said, I'll probably be dead. And he said, what? And the, the interviewer said, well, doesn't that make you sad? Isn't that a sad thing? He says, no. My life is so unhappy. I'd rather be gone, he said. There are people like that, folks. This is what we're told. But we've been enlightened. Our eyes have been opened. The veil has been lifted. The curtain's been pulled back in that dark room. And now what do we see? We know the plan. God has revealed it to us. And what do we see? We see Jesus. That's who we see. This this message is, our world is Desperate is crying out for this message, folks. Another commentator said it like this. 
The Father holds nothing back, openly telling us that Jesus is the key to everything. The heavens and the earth, the galaxies and the angels, the skies and the earth, the plants and animals, history and humanity all find their function, purpose and destiny in Jesus. More than any cosmologist, the church understands how the universe itself is heading to a fulfillment when everything is brought together under Jesus Christ. I don't know what's going to happen in Gaza or Israel or the Ukraine or the next election or your next doctor's appointment or scan or the new job interview or when that next bill comes through. I don't know, but this I know. All things in heaven and on earth will be brought together in unity and peace in Jesus Christ the Lord. We know the plan. We are blessed to know because it gives us hope. As I finish, I want to think about how this plan is revealed in us. And I know it's only a very short point. I'm just going to give you some questions. Okay, now, to where you are, just let this marinate a little bit. Because the church is also revealing this mystery to the world. Christ reveals it. Christ brings it to realisation. But you, the church, are also revealing it. You're, you're making it known. Uh, look again at Ephesians 3. Look at verse 10. Listen to this. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That the people of Tilehurst, your neighbours, your friends and family and colleagues, and even those you cannot see, spiritual beings and creatures, are being shown God's plan in us, the church. Jesus is bringing all things together under him, and it's displayed most clearly and centrally in the church. They get to glimpse it in us. So let, let's slow down here. Let me just give you some questions to think about as I close. First, are we, Christchurch Tilehurst, a church who reveals God's plans in Jesus? That we would be a united people, Jew and Gentile, living in peace under our one head. Secondly, do your plans align with God's plan to unite everything in Jesus? Are your personal plans at all influenced by his plan to see the kingdom come? Are you as excited about his plan as you are about your own plans? Does it even come into your mind? Thirdly, does this inform your prayers? Are your prayers rooted in this? Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's essentially asking that everything will be brought together in Christ. Are you praying to see your life and the world around you brought together in Christ? <coughs> Fourthly, does God's plan in Christ motivate your actions? 
Are you actively trying to reach hopeless people with the good news about Jesus that we've been talking about? To do good in the world, does it motivate you? I want to do good. I want to see justice done, to help, um, to give help to those in need, to see a bit in my life that coming together of all things in Jesus. It motivates my actions. Fifthly, is this what primarily shapes the plans of our church? Is our church geared in its ministries and resources to seeing Christ bring all things into unity, of seeing the darkness pushed back, seeing lives restored, the mess sorted out, sinners saved, life flourishing? Is our church at all active in that way? Sixthly and lastly, does this plan envelop your whole life? Is there any part of your life that you know is not yet brought under Christ from your point of view? What are you holding back from him? Maybe those questions can help us. Think about what this means for us, what difference it makes. Because as we, I think we begin to address some of those things, and I don't have all the answers, but as we begin to address them, the world around us will glimpse the plan. They will see the mystery unfolded just a little bit more. All things brought together under Christ. They will see hope here in our church. They will see life here in our church. Friends, we've been blessed, haven't we? With enlightenment. God has revealed his plans to us who believe. A plan in Christ to unite all things. The Father delights to share it with us. He loves to bring us in that we might have hope and joy in him. And I truly hope you are in on it too.